Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In many of the episodes, I will quote Romans 5, 1 through 5, because it's such an important verse for the believer to grasp and believe. We go through things in life for a purpose. It's to draw closer to God. It is to gain wisdom. It's to become more and more like Jesus. Now, obviously, we're never going to be like him in this life, but we strive to emulate him and obey his word and try to be that follower of Christ that he wants us to be. And that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit in that love that's been poured out into our hearts. So for the believer, there is something remarkable about life in general, and that is we're in this life for a short time. And then on to the real life in eternity that lasts forever. The Apostle Paul compared this life to a race and himself as an athlete running this race to win, not to lose. And when we run the race with a finish line in mind, it can make it easier to put up with things that can really make us lose our minds. So pushing forward, knowing that Jesus is guiding us by the Holy Spirit, these obstacles in life, they become less detrimental because we know that he is with us and he is teaching us. In Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11, it says, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And everybody should go back and read Isaiah 58 and learn the whole context of that. Israel was complaining because they were fasting and God wasn't answering their prayers. And yet God rebukes them and says, these are the things that I want you to do. And he goes down this whole list of things that they were not doing, but these are the things that God has called us to do. And that's basically take care of others and be a light in this world. And if we do that, then verse 11 kicks in. That's when God's going to guide us continually, satisfy our desire and scorch places, make our bones strong, etc. And so, as a side note, look up the word guide or guides in your Bible software and do a word search and see how many times that is used of God to his own people. God guides us continually. There's lots of verses that talk about being guided by God. It's pretty cool. Way better than being guided by the devil. So in marriage, at the point when things become somewhat stable, we now have a better idea about our spouse, who they are, who we are. But this can also be a place of discouragement because maybe we're not happy with our spouse or our place in life. Maybe life has become difficult and trying to find our own way in this circus is proving a lot harder than we imagined. Or maybe we've become somewhat disillusioned with our marriage and want to live a life that's more exciting. And the term seven-year itch was coined describing this period in a marriage when things cool down and happiness begins to fade away. So what do we do to get back on track? Simple. Yield to Jesus. Now this may seem dumb to some because in reality they've never yielded to Jesus so experience in a spirit-filled life is merely hypothetical to them and they don't get it. And there are many in the church who would probably admit if they were honest with themselves that they fall into this category. But really, we need to take a closer look at life in Jesus and understand the potential for a marriage that honors him. So let's go back to the principle of prayer, where we align our life with God's will, and he hears us. 1 John 5.13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know 
you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So surrendering to the will of God and learning what that is for our lives, it does a couple of things. First, it brings us to that place where we begin to understand salvation a little better. It may be difficult for a person who has never been exposed to hideous evil to really understand what it means to be delivered from darkness, but to those who understand darkness, who have found victory over it in Jesus, there's a clear-cut change in their lives, and this is very evident. So believing becomes easier because the experience of being born from above is very evident to them. They're different. They are changed, and that darkness has lifted from them, replaced with God's light. And secondly, when we begin to understand that Jesus is actually the Son of God and actually does the things in Scripture, like send His Holy Spirit to those who surrender to Him, we now look at the Scriptures with a fresh hope in them. We begin to see God's Word as truth, and our doubting begins to be replaced by believing. We can now search the Scriptures and find the promises that Jesus proclaimed to those who truly follow Him the abundant life, hearing his voice, following his lead, being set free from sin, being forgiven, and all of that. So with this new life in Jesus, where it's not about church or going to church functions, it's about walking in faith and being led by the Holy Spirit, our lives take on an entirely different purpose, and that is to glorify our King. And now, being led by the Holy Spirit, our marriages can become something brand new. And that's exactly what happened to me. After eight years of marriage, we both came to Jesus. The change began and we soon discovered that we were actually a team in the fight for the kingdom of God. And while for some that may sound corny, we also received the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to build a brand new life in Jesus, where our lives were radically changed forever. And that was back in the 90s, and we're still living this life of adventure. And it's not all fun and games by any means, but our purpose became different. Now our purpose is not to please ourselves, rather to please the one who saved us from ourselves and gave us life. And sadly, I've seen so many people in the church just floundering in their marriages because they don't take the scriptures seriously. And that's where the gold is. You learn about Jesus, you learn how this works, and then you believe, and then you act upon that belief. And all of a sudden, things begin to radically change. You begin to see things. So returning to 1 John chapter 5, if we seek God's will first, then he hears us. That's what the scriptures say, plain and simple. And I found that it works. But oftentimes, it's a long process of discerning his will. Why? because we must really be focused on learning as much about Jesus as we can, and that takes time. Staying rooted in God's Word, believing what it says, challenging the so-called contradictions, learning that much of the criticism of the Scriptures by skeptics has reasonable answers, and learning that the church as a whole is really screwed up. We have all these factions at war against each other, which is ridiculous. The best answer of all confirming who Jesus is, is to know him personally and pray, obey his word, putting into action those things that he's called us to do. We start doing that and we begin to hear from him and experience his supernatural gifts, seeing our prayers answered, the ones that we have asked for according to his will, and more. And when a husband and wife whose marriage has ventured into a mundane zone, if they come together and consistently get into God's Word, pray together, talk to one another about what God is speaking to them, work through their issues according to the Scriptures, and trusting in the Holy Spirit, God will spark a flame in that boring marriage and bring about new purpose, excitement, adventure, and awe. But we also must understand that with this new spiritual activity comes the demonic attacks, fear, doubt, etc., 
Whatever the devil can do to us to get us to veer off our track from God, he will do it in a heartbeat. So don't be surprised when a marriage that starts to get on the right track begins to come under attack. The enemy is firing his fiery darts at the couple, but the shield of faith, as Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6, will quench those darts and allow the couple to advance to victory. So if God wants us to ask for things according to his will, then what are some of the things that we can ask for? It's God's will that we are a light in our marriage, so focus on that. It's God's will that we submit to one another in love, as the scriptures say, so do that. It's God's will that we build each other up in the faith by praying fervently and communicating with one another. Give that a try. It's God's will that our home is purged of all the evil, so get rid of your junk. It's God's will that we consider others higher than ourselves, so start considering your spouse higher than yourself. It's God's will that we resist the devil. It's God's will that we glorify him. Get the picture? If we want to see our prayers answered, then start asking for prayers that are answerable, that we know that God would give a thumbs up on. And those that have a lousy marriage but are willing to go down this road, these are just a few things that we can do that are obvious that it would be in the realm of God's will. But even if only one spouse is on board with this, which is common, then do it. You're not going to be married in heaven. And what you can do in your marriage right now, filled with the Holy Spirit, glorifying God, is a whole lot better in many cases than where you're at right now. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Do what the Word says. Ask the Lord for the power of the Holy Spirit that it would flow through you and pray without ceasing because that's what the Word says. James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's one of the cool things about the Lord. We inherit His righteousness. And as we obey and we travel down that path of His righteousness as He is compelling us to be righteous, there's power there. So the cure for the seven-year itch is going deeper with Jesus. Become committed to Him. Seek Him. Listen for His voice. Watch for opportunities to love others in a way that is consistent with the Scriptures. And the Holy Spirit will make some crazy things happen. Ephesians 5:17 Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ Thank you